You're listening to SBS News. The saying goes that an apple a day keeps the doctor away. This year, medical groups like the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners have said what's keeping doctors away is a lack of Medicare support. Their 2023 Health of the Nation report found that burnout, heavy workloads and greater dissatisfaction with their jobs meant almost a third of GPs were planning to bow out in the next five years. GP Dr Kenneth McCrory from the Australian Medical Association said it's because doctors were under increasing strain. You know, remuneration compared to other specialties, uh, the inability to keep your doors open, practices closing left, right and centre because they can't afford to, to keep seeing their patients essentially for free, then it's a pretty no-brainer. Also prominent in the headlines this year, concerns over who is accessing the National Disability Insurance Scheme. 35% of participants have autism as a primary diagnosis and NDIS Minister Bill Shorten has been talking all year about making sure the scheme gets back to being for those who it was originally designed for and convincing the states and territories to take on a greater share of disability funding so the scheme isn't the only option for those with a disability. The NDIS is not what it should be. It is not delivering the outcomes Australians with disabilities need and the Australian public expects. For the NDIS to reach its potential, it needs a reboot. That's worried neurodiversity advocates who are concerned about being left without any support. Some, like Kristen O'Connell, have talked to SBS about not being able to get on the NDIS or the experience of having their plans cut. I've been hearing from other autistic people that they had had really big cuts to their plans when they were up for review and then I was feeling pretty worried about my review and sure enough I got a letter in the middle of January telling me that I would lose 75% of my supports with my psychologist which is my most important support. Another significant development for health in 2023 was a formal apology for thalidomide survivors. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said sorry to those who had been impacted by the medication that was prescribed decades ago to expectant mothers for morning sickness and instead caused birth defects in thousands of children after warnings about its safety were ignored by successive governments. One such survivor, Sue Jerome, says she's had to deal with severely underdeveloped arms and still faces a number of challenges with a body that's ageing prematurely due to the impacts of the drug. When I was born, I was taken away and all mum heard the nurse saying, oh my God. I had a lot of people laughing at me because um, I loved my arms, you know. I thought, this is me, I like my little arms, you know. And then when I'm in public, I could feel the, the looks and the smiles and the smirks. COVID was also making the headlines on a regular basis. Australia announced a 12-month inquiry into its response to the pandemic, except it isn't looking at state and territory decisions on lockdowns. The opposition's Anne Rustin said that was a problem. Well, we're concerned that any inquiry that has not got the powers to compel the states and territories to participate um, has to be called out for exactly what it is. It's a protection racket for the states and territories and you know, potentially a witch hunt on the previous coalition government because 
so many of the decisions that impacted Australians so significantly during the pandemic were decisions of the states and territories. The peak of the pandemic might be over, but experts have said the virus is still circulating in the country and across the world. They've been urging people to be up to date with their vaccinations and to think about going back to mask wearing in public places. Some states, like Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria, provided eligible residents with free vaccinations for influenza, another virus of concern. New South Wales Chief Health Officer Kerry Chant spent a significant amount of time urging parents to get their children boosted. After a Year 9 student in New South Wales and an 11-year-old in Queensland's Sunshine Coast both died after catching influenza B. So what we're actually seeing this year is a significant impact on our 5 to 16-year-olds or our school-aged children. This is in part related to the type of influenza that's circulating, influenza B, and that type tends to be associated with a greater impact on school-aged children. Some good news came this year for First Nations children. The number of Indigenous kids aged 0 to 14 suffering with ear or hearing problems has declined, going from 11% in 2001 to 6.9% in 2019. But Professor Kelvin Kong from the University of Newcastle's School of Medicine and Public Health told NITV News that there's still much to be done to address hearing issues in First Nations people. The downside of it is that there's still a long wait to be seen. We're still falling behind on some of our language and developmental milestones and we're still getting quite a lot of uh, hearing rate loss in the incarcerated justice system. Victoria made the news this year when it changed the law on public drunkenness. It's no longer considered a criminal offence, with Minister Ingrid Stitt declaring it would instead be treated as a public health concern. There's been close work um, between the health-led response teams that we are setting up and emergency services, and that will continue to be the case. Uh, We are, of course, uh, keen to get the Collingwood service up and running, and that's only a few weeks away, and that will give us additional capacity. But I am very confident that we've got the model right because it's been based on the outcomes of the trial period uh, and all of the data um, that's been available to us. Reaction was mixed. The Victoria Police Union claiming the new regulations restricting officers' power to arrest people for public intoxication would make the state less safe and Indigenous advocates praising the move. They say it was about time. With decriminalisation, one of the recommendations from the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody over 30 years ago. Another big change to health regulations this year, a new 60-day regime for the prescribing of medicines. Health Minister Mark Butler. 30-day scripts make a lot of sense if you're going to your doctor and seeking a single course of medicine for a single episode of illness, for example, an infectious disease. They make no sense for people who are on the same medicine year in, year out, decade in, decade out, sometimes for the rest of their lives, which is why the experts advised us to allow 60-day prescriptions, which will give 60-day supply of medicines for the price of a 30-day script, halving the cost of medicines for 6 million Australians, we think, who are, uh, who are dealing with these ongoing health conditions. The Western Australian community of Bridgetown is around three hours southeast of Perth. It made the news this year when retailers agreed to stop selling energy drinks to anyone under the age of 18. 
An initial four-month trial was spearheaded by local GP Dr Sarah Youngson, who'd been approached by residents worried about the increase in energy drink consumption by young people and the impact it was having on their mental health. She said it was contributing to anxiety, their ability to sleep, with a knock-on effect of poor school attendance and overall health. And being happy and active was something some studies picked up on this year. A social cohesion report noted that for many youngsters, they were less happy in 2023 than they'd been in previous years. Dr James O'Donnell was the study's lead author. So in 2023, 48% of people were saying they have a great sense of belonging in Australia. Now that's the lowest it's ever been since we first started measuring this in 2007. Mental health has also been a particular concern for refugees and humanitarian entrants in Australia this year. The Australian Institute of Health and Welfare found that those communities are less likely to self-report cancer and mental health conditions. The Institute's Vanessa D'Souza says there may be cultural considerations for the under-reporting. There might be a reluctance or a stigma attached with talking about mental health conditions and that maybe accessing services might be difficult. So we do hope that it shines a light in some ways and some of the areas that could be improved on. Deborah Grawk, SBS News.